Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Takes a Token Movie Podcast. I am your host this week. This is Mariah. And as always, I am joined with... Miles. Stefan. Oh, shit. I should have sung it. You fool. You want to try again? And I'm joined with... Miles. And Stefan. Is that your Tim Curry impression? Oh, you're going to hear a lot of that. That was that was like Johnny that was Bravo Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mama. Hey, Stefan. Have you seen a movie before? Uh, no. What are Let those? me follow you up with another question. <laughs> Have you seen a movie in the last couple of weeks or so? Um, so I recently watched Blow the Man Down. It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Ooh. And it's, uh, great. I really enjoyed it. Oh, okay. Um, it's about, like, a small town in, I think, Maine or Massachusetts. Uh, and these two sisters who recently lost their mother actually get mixed up in a murder um, but after that, um, it kind of reveals the underbelly of their small town and the evil going goings on. Oh man! Uh, it's got the grandmother from the Hannah Montana movie. She's great. I'm in. I'm in. She's also in Par- uh, Parish of Tem, and she's very good in that. Oh. Anyway, I cannot think of her name right now. But anyway, I really enjoyed it. Uh, made me want to, you know, commit a little murder in my small town. I don't know, Miles. What have you seen? I watched, speaking of murders in small towns, yeah. this has nothing to do with murders in small towns. Oh, okay. I watched Prey. Oh, the, I've been meaning to watch that. The prequel to the Predator movies mm. takes place in like America, Native Americans, mm-hmm. which is, you know what? It was cool because it, it was an all Native American cast. They have a version of the movie that is in their language. I don't I don't think it's Cherokee. It's mm-hmm. Boat is one of those. So the whole movie's in that language. Um, it was really cool. However, the Predator kind of sucks. You know, that's what I've been hearing. He's bad at his job. That's what I He's heard. just not good at the, it. The biggest complaint is the Predator. I mean, when you think about it, too, he's always just getting beat yeah. by these people. He never wins. Because it's like, okay, so there's, you know, the Native Americans, there's some, like, French fur trappers um and like the french if if the french were just like a little bit quicker they would have just they just would have killed the predator and it would have been over and he would have been done in by some fucking fur trappers i just always think it's it's so funny that he always gets done in by his fucking like thermal viewing i don't know I don't know. You can't yeah. keep doing that, but at the same time, I don't. It, well, so weird. the thing is, like, the main girl uses her mind the right. entire time. There's no, like, yeah. she learns that she needs to change the way she fights. It's just, like, she's just good at it, and the Predator's not. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, I think they could have worked on some stuff, but I, I haven't seen it yet. So I liked it, though. Despite all that, I did enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. She has a dog. I've seen things of the dog. Is it mostly a real dog or, like, a effects dog? Yeah, it's a real dog. Nice. I love when they use live animals. All right, Stefan, what movie have you seen recently? Um, I've seen a lot of movies that I would love to talk about them all, but i got to pick one. So I guess I'll, I'll pick the most entertaining one. Mariah, you walked in during the end of this movie, and I've talked about it a lot. I thought you were going to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I was going to talk about a different movie. But I'll talk about this one because our viewers haven't heard it. Miles hasn't heard it. But 
it was this movie directed by a man named Werner Herzog. You guys may or may not be familiar with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was one of his earlier movies, and it was it was kind of run and gun guerrilla. It's about Spanish conquistadors going on a mission through you know what's it called the Amazon. I was getting there. I was going to title drop. It's called the it's called Aguirre, the Wrath of God. Okay, and it's it's sort of apocalypse now. Where it's this group of Spanish conquistadors going down this river, and as they go down this river, things go bad, and they start going insane, and people die, and then blah blah blah, and then at the end, it's just kind of like, wow, that that was a that was a bad time. But what was really interesting about it no, was no fun boat ride. No fun boat ride. Um, especially in real life, the production was oh. god awful. Oh. They went through horrible things. Primarily, the main actor in it, his name is Klaus Kinski. He's kind of a bastard man. He's also insane, <laughs> oh, actually okay. insane. He would go into raging fits all the time, and that was kind of his thing on movies. And so he really only worked with Werner Herzog because he was the only man who would like put up with him. There was one time where Klaus went on like a tirade and it walked off, and the only way the director could get him back on set was by threatening to shoot him and then himself. And that worked. <laughs> Anyways. Cool. I love that. Well, the movie we're talking about today is drastically different than all three that we've been talking about. Yes. Um, today we're going to be talking about the 1975 cult classic. Hold on. Oh, wait, hold on. You got to build up that anticipation. Night. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, I figured now that we're in October and the way that, you know, we release things every other week, we each get to do a Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. So um, we're starting off this Halloween trio with uh, this. I barely fucking know what went on. That's okay, because the first time I saw it, I felt the same way. Okay. It definitely took it me. It sense to me. Well. <laughs> I was doing a bit. Um, yeah, it definitely I'm, took yeah, me. I'm better than everyone better else than because everyone. I know what's going on because in I'm a Rocky weirdo. Horror Picture Show. Uh, yeah, it definitely took me a couple of watches to really kind of get it all. Uh, but yeah, I want to I want to hear your guys' thoughts and let's go through a quick summary, if okay. you will. Yeah, Miles, Miles go. What's the I, first half? Quickly, can you remind me the two main people's names? Brad and Janet. Brad. Janet. Okay, I knew Janet. I didn't know Brad. So uh, Brad and Janet sweet lovely couple they get engaged at someone else's wedding bad play in my opinion i agree um and then they're like okay well w- let's go see our crippled buddy who was our teacher classic classic dr scott dr scott uh but they goof it so gosh darn bad mm-hmm. but uh, yeah anyway uh they go to the castle of dr frankenfurter um and then there's a little musical number when they go in and Stephen, take it away. Oh, I go from there. Okay. Um, yeah. So they go in. They do a little dance to the time warp. It's kind of like whoa, kooky little people. And then Mr. Frankenfurter comes out, and he goes, "Oh, see you met my handyman." You know, and he sings, and he goes off, and they go whoa, and then they go up to a lab, and it turns out this person is Frankensteining a sex slave. And then there's a whole number about resurrecting this person. I wonder what this is alluding to. Ha ha ha, Frankenstein, Frankenfurter. They dance around. There's a bunch of rich folk up in the in the rafters clapping the whole time, clapping their little handsies away. Little fingers are getting numb. They're clapping so much. Meatloaf, the one and only R.I.P., comes out of the freezer and he goes... Eddie was, a f- was one of the failed experiments. He yes. only has half of a brain. Mm-hmm. 
And, and he's not muscle and handsome like no. Rocky is. And, and so he that's why he gets put in the vault. Where the hell did the motorcycle come from? He gets on it. Anyway, starts racing around, chasing people off the track. And then uh, Frankenfurter brutally, brutally unalives. Unalives. Eddie. Completely with a, with deletes, deletes this man. Deletes this man from existence. Does a California exit on his life. <laughs> over four lanes. In the freezer, and then they have dinner, which Just, happens. No, dinner, dinner's later. Yeah, wait, wait. I guess there is a whole lot. Yeah, yeah and then Frankenfurter um, has sex with basically everyone. Yeah, he yeah. commits he, sexual assault. Uh, he has sex with Janet, Brad, and Rocky under the pretense of being a different person, which yes. I think yeah. is actually I a find, crime. I find yes. everyone kind of deplorable. That's a hard R word. Uh, yeah. and then yeah, then they do the dinner. For Rocky's birthday. And then, of course, Dr. Everett Scott comes in, bursts through the wall, joins them for Ooh. dinner. Uh-huh. They mourn Eddie, find out he's uh, been and under the table the whole time, and they see his corpse. Yeah. And then, uh, Miles, what happens from there? Um, oh, man. From there, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where do we leave off? This is you've given him the most bonkers part, right? I know. <laughs> so they go back to where Rocky and Janet fuck. Yes, of course. Um, and that's then, before the dinner. Oh shit! Because then the dinner's really awkward because they all know that they all like slept with everybody. Well, they go back to the lab, and then um, he freezes them in their footsteps, and then like. <sighs> feels up janet when he probably shouldn't have yeah um and then and then turns them to stone and then unturns them to stone and then there's a little musical number and then he dies yeah and then and then (laughs) riffraff and columbia review magenta oh columbia is the other one yeah okay i got mixed up they come through and they reveal they're aliens Mm -hmm. right and that they've been come from the planet transsexual yeah yeah in the galaxy yeah transylvania and they reveal that uh, Frankenfurter has failed his mission, right? Yes. Failed their mission and then kill them. Mm-hmm. And then Rocky's just so lean and muscular that he deflects the, the lasers. Yep. So oiled up, until beefy. He, until he doesn't. Yeah, and then he and then he yeah. I, so what was that? Did he die from the fall or? You know what? I'm not entirely positive. Pool, though. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, I guess he's dead. Yeah, I don't. But I guess it was like a King Kong bit. It yeah, was a key combat. And then uh, Brad and Jenna and Dr. Scott get to leave. And then they beam the house back to Transylvania. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. A little bit kooky, a little bit wild. A little bit, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. yeah so like that. Um, now that we've gone through that recap, which I hope made sense. Uh, again, obviously, if you're listening to this, I hope you have seen it. So if you and haven't. It, and if you haven't. If you haven't, we'll make this entertaining enough for you hopefully i'll make some fun noises definitely will make some fun noises yeah, where i, I think will stare at us and go okay <laughs> we have i think on the spectrum here mariah likes musicals i'm sort of neutral about them and miles is against them. i die so it's fucking hate musicals. i think it's a very good setup i used to hate i used to hate musicals but then i think i got to a point where i just sort of enjoy music in general that as long as i'm able to just listen to music i will say the sort of traditional musical format some of the old old musicals i yeah. kind of struggle with that and modern musicals kill me i would also agree with that um 
But there are a good amount of musicals that are very fun. Sounds anyway, like you don't like musicals. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, I mean, I, I suppose things like rock. This one because it's like rock music. I'm like, okay, I can finger snap and clack my knees and wiggle my toes <laughs> and everything people do. Even stuff like La La Land. I thought La La Land was a good movie. I think that's a good. One. Here's my thing. I, so I've thought about this long and hard. Like I was like, okay. Am I just being contrarian? Do Long I actually hard. not like musicals? And I thought about all the movies that I like that are musicals. And it's a lot of Disney movies, obviously. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. But like like Tangled. I like Tangled in spite of it being a musical. I don't give a shit about any of the music in Tangled. Interesting. I like just like the story and how pretty it actually is. So Miles believes in God in spite of religion. Yes. Interesting. So now that we've done this recap, let's get into it. So this is 1975. Uh, it's a musical comedy horror film Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman wrote. Uh, mostly Richard O'Brien. And then Richard Sharman directed it. Richard O'Brien plays Riff Raff in the movie. Uh, and he wrote the original stage production, which was produced in 1973. So I'm going to talk about the, the stage production a little bit before to give you guys some backstory before we get into the movie. Ugh. Ugh, backstory. Stage production. (laughs) So, Richard O'Brien was living in London in... London. Ugh. Ugh, Plus two, because London sucks. Can can someone get the vomit bucket over here? Okay, so Richard O'Brien was an out-of-work actor in London in the 70s, and just kind of on a whim and in his free time, he started writing this. He wanted to combine a lot of the things he loved, which were sci-fi really cheesy B-movie horror films, uh, Steve Reeves' muscle man movies, 50s rock and roll. He combined all that. I think you can say he did it pretty successfully because all of those elements are in Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he brought the somewhat unfinished version to Jim Sharman and was like, here, I just have a couple numbers and I've got about 10 pages of dialogue. This is what I have so far. Jim Sharman was like, I like it. I want to direct this. Let's do Wait, it. Wait, 10 pages and a couple songs. That's not a lot. No. No. That's not a lot at all. No. The original... Stage production was actually only 40 minutes long, and they had to beef it up and add in numbers. So that's why like time warp was in it, because they just had to get filler, essentially. Yeah, I was going to say, that, makes that, that one makes feels a lot of like sense. it doesn't have a whole lot of bear. They also the used it kind of as an excuse to give Columbia that tap dancing number. So uh, Jim Sherman, I should mention, was not just a random pick and just like a friend who just happened to have faith in it. He was respected in the, in the musical community, and he directed the original Australian productions of Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar. So he was mm. he was kind of well known. The play before it was called the Rocky Horror Show was also going to be called. They came from Denton High, before they changed the title right before uh, previews. Just, just rings well, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the play is obviously called the Rocky Horror Show, not the Rocky Horror Picture Show, because it's not a movie. Right. And then O'Brien had worked with Tim Curry in the original London production of Hair in 1968. So they ran oh. into each other on the street, and Curry said. Quote, I'd heard about the play because I lived on Paddington Street off Baker Street and there was an old gym a few doors away. I saw Richard O'Brien in the street and he said he'd just been to the gym to see if he could find a muscle man who could sing. (laughs) I said, why do you need him to sing? And he told me that his musical was going to be done and I should talk to Jim Sharman. He gave me the script and I thought, boy, if this works, it's going to be a smash. Well, boy, was he right because people love this movie. People love this movie. This is one of the biggest cult following films I think I've seen Uh besides. No? That's probably it. Now, the Frankenfurter that you see in the movie was not originally starting off that way. When rehearsing for the production, Tim Curry initially played him with blonde hair and a German accent. And then he did an American accent. 
And then I think it was he was like on the train or something and he heard this lady speaking in this like posh British voice and he's like, oh, Frankenfurter should speak like the queen. So mm. that's where the, that voice comes from. And now the original cast in London for the Rocky Horror Show was Tim Curry as Frankenfurter, Patricia Quinn as the usherette who sings that opening number, mm-hmm. and Magenta, Little Nell as Columbia, Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff. All of those guys are in the movie and play those roles. A man named Jonathan Adams was the narrator, and he actually ends up playing Dr. Scott in the movie instead. And then a man named Christopher Malcolm and uh, Julia Covington were Brad and Janet, and a man named Rainer Burton was Rocky. And also Little Nell, who plays Columbia, she was cast after Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman saw her tap dance while she was either busking or at like working in a cafe. I found two different sources that said busking it down sexual style. <laughs> I was gonna say earlier, Rainer Burton these nuts. But I figured that one didn't fit in very well. Um, but yeah, they they saw her tap dance and they gave her an audition because that was like the main thing they were looking for for her character. Anyway, the play was a success and ran from 1973 to 1980 and consistently had to move theaters because they required more seats for the audience. They started off in the Royal Courts Theater, which only had 63 seats because they weren't sure how it was going to go. And then they eventually moved up to the King's Road Theater with 500 seats. It really was a hit right off the bat. That's like like at least 10 more seats. Yeah, you know what, Miles? You are right. Yeah, that's like more. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not very good at math. So what's interesting is that the play was a really big success <laughs> immediately. And the movie was not, which we'll get into later. So after its big success in the UK, there was an LA production that Tim Curry went to go be in, but everyone else in the cast was new, including an up-and-coming rock star named Meatloaf. Meatloaf was actually two characters in the LA production. He was Eddie and Dr. Scott. And oh. um, in stage productions, most of the time, those two are played by the same character. That makes like, sense, because they're like uncle and, exactly. and nephew. Yeah, just like the Usherette mm. and Magenta are played by the same person. Right. Eddie and Dr. Scott are typically played by the same person. Initially, he didn't even read the script. He was just handed the Sweet Patootie song number, and that's all he knew going in. When he was in rehearsal and he saw Tim Curry do the Sweet Transvestite number, he left this uh, stage. He was like, uh, nope, I'm not going to do this. Under, you know, I understand that. Yeah. That, that sounds bad. I mean, I kind of understand because he's but, just blindsided because yeah, he has no idea what... like, oh... What did I sign up for? Yes. Um, but thankfully, he was roped back in and was fitted for high heels shortly after. <sighs> if you remember the number towards the end, Rose Tint My World, where everyone's in the fishnets and Dr. Scott mm-hmm. is in the wheelchair and he's like i've got to get out of here and then he lifts up his leg with the fishnets and he has the single most voluptuous scrumptious smooth leg i've ever seen in fishnets just want to get in there wait (laughs) wait i just realized he lifts up his leg yeah in a wheelchair yeah Yeah. that's the whole bit i never i didn't i never pieced that together Uh, so is the bit that he is cured of being crippled or is it the bit that he's just was never i think the bit is just he's too sexy He's just so for, fucking for sexy. He can't be contained. To be contained. Yeah. Oh my God. He's Look at those sweet legs. I want to rub my face up against them. Now, Meatloaf, so Meatloaf did that bit because he was Dr. Scott in the production. He was super nervous to do that in the fishnets. But once he heard the audience laugh and he saw Tim Curry break character when he did it, 
he was in, he said, quote, I bring my leg up in the audience. I've never heard such laughter in my entire life. And if you know me and you know my personality, I will always go for the laughs. Right. Tim Curry is the most professional actor and would never break character. He started to laugh. Everybody on stage started and the audience just kept going. And so he was I, I would do it for a laugh. There's a lot I would do for a laugh, honestly. <laughs> I would do it, but my dang old legs aren't flexible. I couldn't get my leg up like that. I would work on it. But uh, yeah, I'd so... get both of them up. Yo. <laughs> Holy shit. Stefan's better than Meatloaf. Mama Doody, <laughs> So, so the LA production had a nine-month run that was very successful, and with how successful just in general the productions were, 20th Century Fox began working on making it a film. Now, Jim Sherman, who directed the London play, would go on to direct the movie as well. A lot of the same cast and crew and production team moved from the stage to the film, so it's a rather faithful portrayal of what the stage production was. Again, Tim Curry reprised his role as Frankenfurter. Patricia Quinn was Magenta. Little Nell was Columbia. Richard O'Brien was Riff Raff. And then, as I said before, Jonathan Adams played the narrator in the play, but is Dr. Scott in the film. And since Meatloaf had played both Eddie and Dr. Scott, he was upset to learn that he would only be playing Eddie for the movie. And he said, quote, I said you're making a huge mistake, and I still think they did, even though the actor was fine. The way it was in the play was that Eddie and Dr. Scott really looked alike, so you knew it was his nephew, and I was a really good Dr. Scott. So he had nothing against Jonathan Adams, necessarily. And honestly, I kind of get it. He's a little if, salty, though. He's yeah. A little, he's a little, little bitter. Yeah, well, and Eddie doesn't get a lot of screen time. So yeah, like, he, he gets, sings a song and then just dies. He gets brutally murdered. Yeah. So I, I totally get it. Um, to me, it's kind of like keeping traditions alive, where, you know, like in... I'm going to bring this up. I don't know, Miles, if you know this, but like for the movie Hairspray, they have... Is that, a, is that a musical? Yeah. yeah. They, I don't care. they have John Travolta yeah. play a woman because the stage productions, that character, Edna Turnblad, were played by men. And so for the movie, they did the same thing. So I it's kind of like keeping traditions alive. Yeah. There, something about like stage productions and plays and music is all that is they have a very weird, yeah, I want to say culture and like tradition around mm-hmm. them yeah. about who plays what or what characters played. By the same people and all and all this that i think is fun but at the same time in a weird way i don't know kind of irritates me i, mean, I don't like, know why i can't i can't even explain to you why but it's just kind of like i okay i don't know maybe it's because i feel left out i'm not sure like, i get it though because it's like with plays you're doing it like over and over and over again yeah so it's those like niche things that like happen once you're like oh that was fun and neat so you like you just keep doing it but movies it's just like all right, we did it. It's over. Yeah. There is also just something about superstitions and traditions in yeah, stage yeah, and I mean. film and like that kind of stuff in general that it's, like, it's a whole different culture. Yeah. Okay. So when they went to go uh, start making the movie, initially 20th Century Fox wanted bigger names in it. Since this is actually Tim Curry's debut. He had not been in a movie before. Oh, okay. And so they thought they needed bigger names. Some of the names thrown around for Frankenfurter were David Bowie. Mick Jagger apparently really wanted to be Frankenfurter. Huh. Steve Martin auditioned to be Brad. And I, I think he would I have get, been. Yeah. I think he would have been a good right. Brad. Um, obviously, Steve Martin didn't get it. He would go on later to do Little Shop of Horror, so he got, he got a musical yeah. later on. Uh, Vincent Price, who is a famous horror movie actor, he did The Fly, the, original, the 1958 right. one. House on Haunted Hill. 
He did several Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. He also did the monologue for Michael Jackson's Thriller. Mm. So that's my, my that might be how you know his voice. Anyway, Vincent Price was a huge fan of Rocky Horror when it came out. He saw it opening night, and he was looked into for being the criminologist slash the, the narrator, but he couldn't due to scheduling issues. The studio execs wanted more well-known American actors for Brad and Janet, so... Although the original Brad and Janet from the London production, Christopher and Julie, wanted to be in the movie, <laughs> they were replaced by Susan yeah, Sarandon yeah. and Barry Bostwick. I feel I feel bad, but at the same time, I will say I think Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick did a good job as Brad and Janet. Yeah. Sue Blaine, the costume designer, originally wasn't too keen on doing the movie version, but then she saw most of the cast and crew were transitioning over, so she joined in. Wait, the costume lady had a problem with doing the movie? Well, she just didn't, she wasn't really sure if she wanted to, but then she was like, oh, like all my friends from the play are doing it. So yeah, I guess I will. Mob mentality. Yep. Bandwagon. Yeah. Bandwagon. Yep. Don't just drive kids. Wake up, sheeple. Um, she said that Tim Curry took to wearing corsets, quote, like a duck to water. So there's that. There you go. Mm. She also said that she did absolutely no research into the costuming and just kind of was like, I don't know, punk rock. And she also claimed that her styling for the movie influenced the development of punk rock fashion with, like, the ripped fishnets and dyed hair. I don't think that's entirely it's true. <laughs> that is a very bold statement. Yeah, a very bold statement to make for a movie that did not perform well when it was Initially, released. Initially, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I would say probably had some impact. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Just not. You think she was, like... Oh man, which thong is gonna make this man's cock look really big? <laughs> which thong is really gonna bring out that bulge? Okay. Yeah, it didn't do too well with the bra. Yeah, the bra kind of goofed up a couple times, didn't the, it? The really small bra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, the costuming budget was like sixteen hundred dollars, and a lot, a lot of the wardrobe budget? come from the original stage production. Mm. Anyway, Pierre Laroche, Laroche. LaRoche, LaRoche. Anyway, he wasn't part of the stage production, but he was hired on to kind of redo and reimagine the makeup, whereas the actors for the stage production just kind of did their own. I also read an article that said that like LaRoche doesn't get as much credit as Sue Blaine does, so I just wanted to make sure that like I shouted him out. Um, and he's also really cool because he designed that famous lightning bolt for David Bowie, mm -hmm. the Latin oh. saying Ziggy Stardust. That's that's him. Okay. So yeah, he is very cool. Wanted to shout him out. And speaking of David Bowie, I know we've mentioned him a couple of times. There's another connection because a lot of the stills from the Rocky Horror Show were shot by Mick Rock, who was a famous rock and roll photographer who took really famous photos of like David Bowie. He did, you know, that Queen album cover where they mm -hmm. all got their arms crossed in their signature? Yeah. yeah. That's him. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did like Iggy Pop, Talking Heads, Waylon Jennings. I mean, dude covered like every band in the 70s mm -hmm. and is amazing. Huge fan of his work. He he actually recently passed away like a year ago, but he he's right. really cool. And I want to shout out to my twin for introducing me to his stuff. Um, anyway, that's a side note. You should look into his stuff. I'll definitely be posting some of those stills on the Instagram if you guys want to check it out. So yeah, head over to at the takes it took on Instagram to go see some of those. But yeah, Mick Rock is awesome. Um, and he did a lot of those really famous photos that 100% you have seen before. And he did a lot of really cool photos for Rocky Horror. So going into this, they had $1.4 million as the budget. They filmed at Bray Studios and Oakley Court in Berkshire, England from October 21st to December 19th, 1974. So they only had five weeks to film this. Five weeks and I think the lowest budget of any movie we've talked about, right? One point. So far, what was it? What was the budget? 1.4 million? 
Like in movie terms, yeah. that's not a lot. Yeah, like Train Spotting was like one point five. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, not not a huge budget. No. Um, now Oakley Court was where a number of famous Hammer films were shot. Hammer Film Productions was, was responsible for a number of the really classic horror and sci-fi films, with their heyday being around like the fifties. They were responsible for like the Dracula movies with Christopher Lee, which kind of cemented mm-hmm. him as an iconic horror actor. So Hammer Film Productions used Oakley Court for a number of their films, particularly shooting like exterior locations. A lot of the interiors were filmed on sound stages. They didn't film Rocky Horror on sound stages. They filmed it in this house. I also learned that in World War II, it was used by the French's secret headquarters. So like Charles de Gaulle used one of the bedrooms. Oh. So that's nuts. It's also now a hotel that you can go visit and stay at. Oh, nice. So... If any of you guys are over there and you wanna, you wanna hang out in the Rocky Horror oh, House, you can. Oui, oui, oui. It's a lot nicer too now. J'habitais dans le la yes. maison et le Rocky Horror oh, oui. We do have a little bit of a French audience. Don't yes, we, we do. J'adore, je t'aime, je t'aime mon, je t'aime mes amis dans les français. Wait, you speak French? Un peu, un peu. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, what? Un peu. He um, took Spanish. Um, Spanish. I took Spanish. Spanish. He took French in college. Nani? Oui. D'accord. That's okay. Anyway, so let's start at the beginning. That opening with the lips. Yes. Originally, they wanted to show old clips of the movies and characters that they mentioned in the opening song. And they also wanted to do the beginning of the movie totally in black and white before Frankenfurter comes on scene. And then when he throws off the cape, then it would go to color. However, it was considered to be too expensive, so instead they opted for those lips to sing at the beginning. Those lips belong to Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta, but that's not her voice. In the stage production, she sang it, but it's actually Richard O'Brien singing it, mm. Riff Raff. Additionally, the lips for the poster, which is very famous, aren't Magenta's. <laughs> it's not Patricia Quinn's. They are a models named Lorelei Sharks. I will say, very good lip syncing then. Um, yeah. Very good. Yeah. I did not know. At no point was I like, oh, those aren't syncing up. Yeah. So, congratulations. Yeah, very good. So, yeah, that's that's how it opened, even though that's not initially how they wanted it to go. Mm. Um, now, the shoot wasn't necessarily great. Tim Curry's makeup took four hours each day, and he essentially just kind of had to learn how to do it by himself. For Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta, her hair wasn't just dyed red. It had to be sprayed red every day. I don't know why they did that. I feel like it would just make sense for her just to dye her hair, but no, they just sprayed red every single day, and so she had to do that every single day for makeup. That sounds like a Looney Tunes solution. It's, yeah. We're just going to spray your hair. Yeah. Spray. Like, it's just Not why? even a wig. Just like, why? Yeah. Get a Literally wig. anything else would have been better. So, I, I mean, maybe she just didn't want, want to dye her hair. I couldn't find like a reason why they did it, but I just saw that they did that, which I found... Also, shout out to anyone who's ever done a drag show and has to do makeup like that. Apparently, it takes four hours, so... Sorry, you guys have to do that. Bummer. Um, now, aside from the makeup, it was especially rough for Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick, Brad and Janet. Really? Because Oakley Court didn't have heating or bathrooms, and they're in their mm, underwear. I see. Yeah, it's England. It's raining. Oh. It was not... The, the Oakley Court house was not maintained, so there were holes in the roof. It was leaking. It was cold. It was just miserable for them. When they filmed that pool scene towards the end, and they're all swimming, Jim Sharman said that in an interview, he got... <laughs> quote a much more high-spirited performance because it was so cold and he kind of used it as an incentive to be like the wilder you are and like the more animated you are the sooner you'll get out of there right and the more body heat you make yeah yeah and so the cast members that were in freezing water they would like get out and immediately run to be like wrapped in blankets susan sarandon got pneumonia 
mm, from this. Love that. Yes. Um, and initially she had gone to the studio heads to kind of complain about the heating and like how cold and how miserable it was, but they told her she was complaining too much. And then she got pneumonia. So. Oh, women. Yeah. Oh, and complaining. Complaining about pneumonia. But she also was a superstar and just like powered through and just kept working despite the fact that she had pneumonia. There was one room for the actors to warm up that had like a heater um, until the room caught on fire. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. That's not good. Oh, the, yeah. the poetry. Now, the background cast, the people who play the Transylvanians, had a blast while filming. They were cast to look really strange and unique. Um, and one of the background actors named Christopher Biggins said that they were stoned every day. Oh, hell yeah. Mm, classic. All they had to do was just stand there. And clap stand and then there, dance clap. the time warp. Dodge a uh, motorcycle. Motorcycle at one point. <laughs> Barry Bostwick was so much like Brad. And it, well, the, the cast and crew thought he was so much like Brad that they treated him like he was Brad, and they didn't really invite him to the parties and like Aww. hangouts after work, <laughs> which is like a bummer. And oh, they bullied a man because he was too much like his character. Yeah, and th- there is um a doc uh, like a documentary on YouTube from like vh1 it's called like the making of rocky horror and he he kind of jokes about it on the documentary but i'm like that would still suck yeah now aside from pneumonia lack of heating and no bathrooms there were also onset injuries so that's really fun classic mostly you gotta imagine you're doing everything in high heels so it's actually nothing really to do with high heels it pretty much is all centered around the motorcycle Mm. okay also makes sense yes so eddie rides the motorcycle through a relatively small lab uh-huh. Which, you know, set up some problems. Meatloaf didn't want to ride the motorcycle. And so they just had a stunt double. Anytime you see somebody riding the motorcycle, it's a stunt double. Um, so yeah, Me- Meatloaf didn't actually ride the motorcycle because he didn't, didn't feel like it was safe. And for those close-ups where it is him on the motorcycle, he's actually sitting in a wheelchair. And they have the handlebars on the motorcycle and like the little plastic shield basically attached to the camera. Mm. Um, as they do it why not just have him sit on the motorcycle because there's parts where he's like going up and he's like riding around and stuff and he didn't want to be on the motorcycle so he's in a wheelchair which was safe i thought they were just like yeah it was just stationary i made this comment where i know you have an explanation but watching this watching this this movie watching this schlock um this man this man in a wheelchair shows up and he's somehow locked into this track right yeah that, that launches him through the house and for whatever reason, this track is led directly through a stone wall. And I was wondering <laughs> what the, the, the design intentions behind this were. Um, for that, it's because they forgot to add a door. So they just had him bust through the wall. I thought... That's all it is. The way I pictured it was it was like a... I thought it was like a big old magnet. And the track oh, was okay. just there so that he would actually move. But in the world, it's a magnet that's mm. like sucking them closer. But yeah, Maybe. he busted the wall because the production design forgot to add a door. Oh, wow. I thought that was like a fun bit. I mean, it works as a bit. It works as a yeah, bit. It's weird, kooky, random. So they brute force the problem and just had him go through a door or a wall. So they, they build the track. That's <laughs> Well, it's not even about that. It's they'd already built the lab, I think. And they realized, oh, we don't really like aside from like the elevator. And like the ladder, there's no real way to get in. Okay, so they, okay, so it was lab first and then track. Because if, so. if they built the track and they're like, oh wait, hold on, hold on, <laughs> we, hold on, we forgot to build the door on the track. Yeah, 
That'd be really goofy. Yeah, so that's why he just busted the wall. Okay, so jumping back to the motorcycle real quick. Another time, Meatloaf Stuntman was riding the motorcycle up the ramp and fell off the top level, and the motorcycle landed on top of another stuntman. And Meatloaf like ran over and like lifted the bike off the guy, and the guy just laid there motionless for a really long time. And then eventually got up and was like, okay... I think I'm okay. And he explained, like, I stayed still so I could, like, kind of do a check before I got up that I was okay. So that's why he, like, laid motionless for a it's while. Checky Chan special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then another time, Meatloaf was in the wheelchair doing a close-up when the wheels, like, hit the lip of, like, the ramp. And so Meatloaf went flying out of the wheelchair and broke the camera and the windshield um, that was set up for the shot. And he got a huge gash in his head. And his stuntman tried to catch him. Before he fell, but then his leg got stuck on the ramp at a bad angle, and he fractured his leg trying yeah. to catch Milo. Yeah, I was wincing during that explanation. One might say cringing. So, yeah, a lot of injuries surrounding the motorcycle. Tim Curry, also, he's got the whip at one point as Frankenfurter, and, he's, and he, yes. he kind of whips at uh, Riff Raff, and he accidentally hits him. And you can see it in the movie where Riff Raff, well, Richard O'Brien, like, actually winces because he got hit by the whip. Aside from the motorcycle, everything else seemed okay besides... The pneumonia and all that kind of stuff. Now, I want to talk about Rocky for a little bit. After all, it is named after him. Um, that sweet big buff Rocky, boy. the leanest man yeah. I have ever seen in my life. Pure body muscle. fat, body fat, not above 1%. None Zero. at all. Zero. Lean, like scary lean. Like, there, you know, if you looked at like the belly to the back yeah. portion, it was like skinny. Like, I feel like if you just sort of pushed him backwards his back, his spine would break. <laughs> He'd snap like a twig. Yeah. So, Peter Hinwood plays Rocky. He was a model in London who was convinced to audition by a friend. According to the book Rocky Horror from Concept to Cult by Scott Michaels, he was hired just by his looks. Man could not sing. Mm. All of his musical numbers are dubbed by a singer named Trevor White. Thank you, Trevor White. Because he could not hold a tune. And eventually, all of his talking was also dubbed. Dang. They cut down. Talking. He was originally supposed to talk more. They cut down his dialogue because they didn't like his delivery. They didn't like his voice. They didn't like how he sang. So his dialogue was also dubbed over by Trevor White. How? So his entire performance, you don't actually hear Peter Hinwood at all. How do you suck that bad? Well, uh, yeah, I'm like you're you're making one of the cheesiest films that I think has ever been put to screen, and you don't like this man's delivery. Yep. Wow. And a lot of people knew that it wasn't actually him singing, but it wasn't until that book came out that it was kind of confirmed that basically his entire right. his entire performance was dubbed minus his physicality. Obviously. I will say they, they did it very well. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like he had half a brain Sad. and they didn't like the delivery of a man with half a brain. Yeah. Peter Hinwood also didn't really do anything after this. He would go on, I believe, I mean, he's still alive today. He does like, antique furniture repairs he's kind of stays out of the limelight he doesn't really like talking about rocky horror he just kind of views it as something that happened in the past now despite the stage version doing extremely well the rocky horror picture show immediately flopped and it flopped hard it was mainly being shown during the day and like early evenings and stuff and like nobody was going to the screenings nobody cared about it despite it doing so well on stage It brought in less than 300000 at the box office. Dang. LA was kind of the only place in the US that it did okay. And Fox pulled it from like other studios and tried to basically send it to college campuses. And they tried actually to do it as a double feature with Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise. Oh. Which is like kind of similar. I was going to bring that one up. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that one up. Phantom of the Paradise is a movie we watched that I quite like. 
It's kooky. Brian De Palma, he did Scarface. He he did another movie I like called Blowout, and he's you know celebrated director. But it's also very kooky and very similar. Yeah, strikingly similar, and apparently not intentionally though. Yeah, like it was very bizarre. I thought I was gonna look it up and be like, oh yeah, they pulled you know, and and it turns out they're unrelated. When we watched it, it was like, oh, this is similar to Rocky Horror and. You would just, you would probably like Phantom of Paradise more. Okay, is it a musical? Because it's a musical, but it's it's one of those where it's like um it's in world. Yeah. But yeah, know. so Fox tried to pair it up as a double feature. Even that kind of didn't do much for it. And so that was pretty much it. It was kind of dead on the water and Fox was trying to kind of pull it a little bit, so it wasn't really doing much. And R- Richard O'Brien was like pretty much okay with that. He's like, "You know what? We had fun. We we did the damn thing. We made a movie. We made a movie." We had a blast. It was still, I mean, it was still going on stage too, so it was still successful. Yeah. And uh, then that was kind of that. Enter Tim Deegan, an executive at Fox who thought, well, if we're not making money by playing it at regular times, what if we schedule it for later, like at midnight? Mm-hmm. So in one theater, the Waverly in New York. It's when the goths come out. <laughs> that's when the that's when the that's when the oddballs come out. April first, nineteen seventy six, the first midnight showing of Rocky Horror was played. It was immediately a success, and crowds flocked to it, so they started showing it in more and more theaters. Celebrities were getting in on it, and so there were, like, more exclusive screenings. You go, Like, Andy Warhol, Carol King, David Bowie was seeing the film again when it came out. And the main cult following was still at the Waverly Theater in New York at the time, where the audience participation aspect originated. And one fan named Dory Hartley, she started dressing up as Frankenfurter a lot to the, to the screenings. And was kind of like the first person to really do so to gain notoriety. And she kind of gained a cult status of her own around New York. And in fan interviews that you can find on the VH1 documentary, like on YouTube about this, people basically said that like she was their Tim Curry. Like they loved Dory Hartley. This was just a woman who showed up to the screenings. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you see interviews with people and they're like, oh, this is my 50th time watching it. This is my 200th time watching it. This is my 400th time watching it. Like, people were obsessed with going to see it every weekend. And what really drew people in was the idea that Rocky Horror kind of welcomed anyone and everyone. And nobody, you know, it was like all inclusive. Nobody was left out. If you were a misfit or whatever, there was space for you at the table with Rocky Horror. It's also important to note that a large amount of the cult following identified, and still does, as LGBTQ+, mm-hmm. and really connect with it still to I, this day. I see why that would have, you know, yeah. drawn so much attention. I yeah. absolutely see it. I mean, you know, it's, it's about, like, a kind of sexual awakening and, like, again, embracing well, just androgyny and, like, all that kind of thinking stuff. Thinking about how it would have been, you know, like, a safe sphere for, mm-hmm. for these people yeah. to... To gather, and then, you know, I'm sure afterwards, you know, people hung out and talked, and they had get-togethers yeah. and things yeah. like, like that, you know. Watching it, like, I get it. I get why it's a cult classic, especially for these communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the beginning of 1978, there were only about 35 prints of this film being used for midnight showings. But by the end of the year in 1978, there were 200 prints of the film. So the cult following was definitely growing. Um, and again, a lot of this information is coming from the VH1 short documentary called Behind the Music. Um, and again, they interview a lot of fans, which is it's really fun because that's kind of what made it what it is today. Right. Now, they did these midnight movies for months, raking in money that they initially hadn't with their release. And around 1977 is when audiences, this was still at the Waverly Theater in New York, started participating. Nobody knows for sure who started the audience participation. But one of the first examples I was able to find was somebody who shouted, 
buy an umbrella, you cheap bitch, <laughs> to Janet when she's using the newspaper at the very beginning. Mm. And so then people started calling out things to the to the screen while they were watching it. People started just coming up with things to make their friends laugh. And then it became a ritual to kind of shout it at the screen for everyone to hear, basically. Every man's version of uh, Mystery Theater 9000? Yeah. 3000. 3000. Yeah. Mystery mm-hmm. Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. Or oh, as we call them nowadays, YouTube React channels. <laughs> or hecklers. Yes. If you're doing comedy. Okay. So there are gaps in the dialogue where people would shout their own lines and jokes some of the really basic ones are that every time somebody says Brad, you shout asshole. And every time someone says Janet, you shout slut. Dr. Scott is either booed or you can yell kiss ass as well. <laughs> For the audience at home, me and Miles are sharing very strange faces. Yeah, it's it's uh, really, it's kind of hard to explain if you don't understand it or if you've never been to like a screening of Rocky Horror. That there's this, it's a very unique environment when you go see it. Um, so like, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I would fucking hate that i'm a very like yeah. when you go to the movies if you make a sound while i'm watching a movie you're a bad person see yeah you have to be like prepared to see rocky horror i will say i i once did go to like a showing of it in my in my hometown and you know we would do like a few of them but like you do the brad and Jana asshole and slut things like at the beginning and then you just like shut up and you just watch the movie yeah but there was one lady who brought you can you can find like the whole script online with all of like the callbacks and stuff. She printed it off and was reading it out the entire movie and was doing every single call out and callback and she was the only one doing it. Oh. And it absolutely sucked. <laughs> yeah. So like for me at least, I don't it's a fun aspect and if you're going in with that mentality, it's fine. But <laughs> when you're in this really small town and you're the only one doing it and you have a light showing on a script and you're doing it the whole movie. I was not a fan of that at all. Uh, anyway, so here's like an example of what one of those interactions might be. Um, so when at the very beginning, Brad is proposing to Janet. Yes. And he's doing all those kind of things. Brad says, I've got something to say. And then people go like, then say it, asshole. And he goes, I really love the, and he pauses. And then you go like, slimy or scummy or whatever and he goes skillful way you beat the other girls and then somebody would shout out like with whips and chains like like you just like do crazy shit like that in between their lines of dialogue just constant word vomit absolute butchering side comment nightmare yeah um that would drive me absolutely crazy it it can be a lot if you're not prepared for it (laughs) I think if I knew it was going in and if I'd seen the movie before and also if I had a couple drinks, I'd be okay with it. Oh, Miles, the fucking boring. No, 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 I, I, I honestly, you. I, I, I would need, I would need to be, I would need to be right tossed in order to watch it. I, I will say like, I love this movie. I've only been to a couple of the screenings where it was like not super crazy. And that was kind of like my limit. I would be scared to go to one where like people are shouting the whole time and it's just like absolute. I will absolute say that chaos. would actually grate on me after a while now. I think, about I, think it, I would I would actually get really upset by that. <laughs> Thinking about yeah. how that would be going on for a long the time. The whole movie you just yeah. have these random people doing their tight fives. <laughs> so, in addition to shouting out stuff, there's also props that you can take to the movie oh, God. to incorporate. <laughs> and so like for the for the wedding scene, like you throw like a handful this of rice. This is like watching a movie with a toddler in the living room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're just like, please. 
Great. Not only do I have to deal with people talking the entire movie, some motherfucker in the front row has a giant hat. Yeah, he's got a giant hat. He's He's playing Jenga or something. So, Uh, yeah, for the wedding scene, like, you throw, like, a little bit of rice to, like, celebrate. For when it's raining, you can either get, like, water pistols if you want to, like, spray people, or you can just do newspapers on top of your own head. Just please. Um, Yeah. when, When they sing, like, there's a light. No, like in the past it was like wave a lighter kind of thing but uh-huh. obviously you can't do that anymore so it's like with your phone light or something like that frankenfurter makes a toast at rocky's birthday slash like eddie's funeral so people throw toast Ugh. you get rubber gloves and you snap them when frankenfurter snaps his who cleans this up i know I feel, poor, oh my god poor yeah, theater goers toast. Um, and then the last one i'll say I, I think there's more that i'm missing too but then at one of the final songs i'm going home frankenfurter sings cards for sorrow cards for pain so then you like throw playing cards just like imagine you know you're the movie and you're like oh my god that was so much fun we loved it and then the you pass some broken man (laughs) some absolutely (laughs) devastated worker there's also i think toilet paper is involved too at some point but in again in the vh1 documentary when they when they first kind of started doing this they were like oh yeah we realized like damn we made like a really big mess but we would just go back next week and do it again. And I'm like, I feel like that's very disrespectful. I would bring yeah. an umbrella. Um, yeah, if all these motherfuckers are throwing <laughs> shit at you. Or a big hat. So if you do go to a Rocky Horror screening, you can expect some of this or all of these things, along with like the audience dancing to the time warp. Also, if you've never been to a Rocky Horror screening, sometimes they ask you if you're a Rocky Horror virgin, and then they take lipstick into a big V on your forehead. Don't so, like that. So in case they ever ask you, just say no. Because sometimes they also like we'll bring say, bring them like oh, up yeah. on stage before the screenings, and I'm like not about that at all. So, yeah, and they also sometimes do like shadow performances where people will like get up, basically next to the screen and like act it out or something like that. Hmm. So this, it's just a wild time overall. Basically, yeah, it's that, a that lot. one. That one I find the goofiest. This is quickly turning into my goddamn nightmare. <laughs> if I had to go see this movie, I think the thing for me is that I know I get overstimulated and overwhelmed yeah. very easily. And even as someone who loves this movie a lot, it's a lot. I mean, it's still very fun. And I again, I love Rocky Horror, but I think honestly, I prefer just to watch it at home quietly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's like a whole side of the audience participation that kind of helped make it into the cult status that it kind of has. It is very wild. I can't think of another movie that really does that. So it's very unique. It's very it's for a very niche audience. <laughs> I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. Um, now, so the legacy of Rocky Horror, we're kind of getting towards the end here. Rocky Horror Picture Show is actually considered the longest running release in film history. 20th Century Fox has a policy where it makes it so like archival films can be played in theaters kind of like at any point. So technically it was never pulled from theaters. Mm. Um, Now when Disney bought Fox in 2019, they kind of stopped that process, but they made an exception for Rocky Horror and the Midnight Showings. Okay. Um, And again, as I mentioned briefly, it had a $1.4 million budget. It's so far grossed $226 million in return, despite Ooh. having a really bad initial release, which again is just very interesting and unique. Yeah, it all changed by some guy being like, what if we just made it at 12? Exactly. What if we just yeah. like change the time to like 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in an interview with The Guardian, Richard O'Brien said, quote, is flawed. There's no, de- no doubt about that, but it's allowed to be a little bit kitsch, I think, and the flaws are part of the quality. It's rather funny if we see the shadow of a boom mic somewhere. And I think that's like, it's really part of its charm 
is it's not it doesn't take itself seriously it's campy as hell it's bizarre it's kooky it's a mu- musical madness um and there's certainly a demographic for it you know there still is it's been how many years and it's still yeah. incredibly popular you can find screenings going on right now i did so looking up like oh where do i watch this i saw like that night at 12 o'clock i could go see this movie yeah hmm. So, Thank God I didn't, or else I probably would have walked out of the theater being yeah. like, I hate this. I despise this yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. It's again, it's for a very specific audience. So, in 1979, Richard O'Brien decided that he wanted to make a sequel called Rocky Horror Shows His Heels, and he essentially wanted to bring the band back together, but nobody really went for it. Tim Curry did not want to reprise the role. He was done with it. I should say, too, he basically went from the stage productions right into the into the film so he was frankenfurter for like three years yeah that's a long time to be that character um jim Sharman didn't want to direct it so richard o'brien kind of abandoned that two years later in 1981 he tried again and teamed up with jim Sharman to create shock treatment which is essentially the unofficial sequel to rocky horror it too was a complete flop didn't do well it has a bit of a cult following because it's related, but it, absolutely nothing like Rocky Horror. There are Brad and Janet characters, but they are played by different actors. Susan Sarandon and Barry Boswick did not want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there is a 2016 version called the Rocky Horror Picture Show Let's Do the Time Over Again, which features Laverne Cox as Dr. Frankenfurter, Victoria Justice as Janet, and <sighs> Ryan McCartan as Brad, and Tim Curry also has the cameo as the criminologist and the narrator. Mm-hmm. There's also, in my opinion, a phenomenal stage performance that you can find on YouTube uh, that the BBC put on in 2015. If you just, if you literally just look up like BBC Rocky Horror 2015, you'll find it. And it's got various celebrities stepping in as the role of the narrator. Richard O'Brien makes a cameo in this one. So if you are interested in what a stage production version of it looks like, I'd highly recommend it. The like the commentary from the audience is not too distracting. There's definitely some playback with the audience and stuff like that, but it's I don't think it's too distracting or overwhelming. So I think it's a good kind of balance if you're looking to experience that. So that kind of wraps that up. I wanted to go through Whoa. a few trivia things that I didn't get to. Trivia time. Trivia, trivia, trivia. Oh, trivia, trivia. Uh, and then we'll get into what we like and don't like. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of I don't have, likes. I got a lot to say. I got uh, a lot of words. But first, let's get into the trivia. So in the song... Roast in My World, Frankenfurter sings Don't Dream It, Be It, which kind of became a mantra for the audience. It actually came from an advertisement for women's bras, and Richard O'Brien saw it and thought it looked like men in drag, so he took it. Uh, I don't know if you remember in the time warp, there's a skeleton in a clock. There is a skeleton in a clock, yeah. Uh, That skeleton was real. Oh. Hmm. Real-ass skeleton. It sold for 35,000 pounds or dollars, I can't remember. Damn. Um, Later on. Yeah, that shit was real. Who is the skeleton? You know what? No idea. Oh, okay. So uh, Frankenfurter wears a pink triangle on his lab coat. And traditionally, pink triangles were used by the Nazis in the 40s to identify gay men for like concentration camps and stuff like that. So, um, but that was used with the triangle pointing down. Frankenfurter's points up, which has been used to symbolize gay pride. Okay. I just thought that was fun. Take that, Nazis. Yeah, fuck you, Nazis. Fuck you, Nazis. If you're a Nazi listening to this, hot take. Fuck you. Hot take. You're bad. You know what? I'm going to say it because nobody else will. Nazis. No one said it. No one said it. Okay, moving on from that. In an interview, um, Tim Curry said that he got to meet 
Prince Charles and Princess Diana. And Princess Diana loved this movie. And he recalled that while Prince Charles only kind of vaguely knew him from like television, Princess Diana told Tim Curry with a quote, wicked smile that Rocky Horror had quote, quite completed my education. (laughs) She was quite a fan. Um, Again, during the dinner scene, Brad like pounds the table with his fist and he accidentally hits Susan Sarandon's hand. And so you see her reaction and it's like real and she like was hurt. And she accidentally kind of got revenge by stepping on his foot with her spiked heel during the floor show scene when they're all dancing before the pool. Mm. So his reaction is also visible for that. <laughs> and they, they kept that in. Neat. And also for that dinner scene, Jim Sharman didn't tell the rest of the cast that that corpse of Eddie was under the table. So when Frankenfurter pulls it out and reveals it, those are their genuine reactions. Question. Yes. Weren't they, hadn't they done the play for like... Yeah, I guess they didn't. That's not how they did the reveal in the play, then, I guess. Mm. Don't know. Also, for eagle eyed viewers, Rocky doesn't have a belly button. Is that really an eagle eye? That's just more of like a. Well, you got to be looking at the man's belly button or lack thereof, I guess. (laughs) Binoculars? Miles is making binoculars with his hands Uh and looking. He's predator of thermal vision looking at us right now. Mm. Zooming in on on belly button. Belly button. Um, but yeah, the makeup team made like a plug that went over Peter Hinwood's belly button because you know Frank makes him from a lab, so belly he wouldn't button, have a belly not button. Not found. Mm. <laughs> um, and then also Richard O'Brien told Meatloaf that he probably wouldn't be able to sing all of the words to the Hopatuti Bless My Soul number because the the person who had played. Eddie in the London version couldn't really do it. Richard O'Brien couldn't even really sing it that well. So he handed the music and was like, it's okay to flub a few lines. No one in the London cast has ever sung the whole thing correctly anyway. And then Meatloaf looked at it and was like, what's the problem? And he sang the whole song perfectly. And so the whole thing was like, he's the only one who was like able to sing it. (laughs) Meatloaf, my boy. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Meatloaf. Yeah. Meatloaf is delicious. Yeah. 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 Really? I mean, I got pauses been, on meatloaf is well, good. Well, I'm vegan. It's been so. a while since oh, I've had right. meatloaf. Yeah. I think I didn't like it as a kid, but honestly, I think meatloaf now is, yeah, it's meat. It's loaf. I'll eat that. I- cool. So that concludes the trivia. And now I think we should go into things that we like and Ugh. don't like about this. Wipes I'm going to keep from my brow. I'm going to keep mine kind of brief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the music. Really like the music. It's very catchy. It's very fun. Obviously, I think without the music, it would not be as good. Tim Curry as Frankenfurter is just great. What more do I need to say about that man? Um, I was telling Stefan on the way here that whenever I get to the end and it kind of gets a little bit more somber and he sings, I'm going home and he's like crying and stuff like that. And then he, and then Frankenfurter dies. I'm always like, damn. And then I'm like, oh wait, he did brutally murder a man and create a sex slave and then assault people. Yeah, maybe... Actually, maybe I don't feel too bad. Yeah. He was when he died. I was like, "Good." Yeah, yeah. Because Doctor Scott is like, you know, he he killed Eddie. This Let's was, not forget that. This yeah. is gonna go into my, you know, my thing. Will come to that me. But I was gonna say, like, uh, most of the characters in the story are, are kind of deplorable. I don't really care for them. I suppose the Doctor is relatively. His hands are relatively clean. No, even the wheelchair. Don't they imply he's like a Nazi or something? Yeah. So I guess maybe not. Yeah, they're all kind of like Dr. Bond Scott. Because the um, uh, riffraff is like, oh, yeah, sorry about Eddie. And he's like, honestly, it's probably for the best. Yeah. 
And he's just like, I, I don't really give a shit that my nephew's dead. He was a scoundrel. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, okay, well. Shooting up junk, he was a low down, deep. You threaten people with a switchblade knife? What a guy. Just, he cry. was just a train spotter. And I did. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I think the thing I like most about it is just kind of the message of sexual things aside, you know, Brad and Janet have very straight laced views and they kind of have the world rocked and they experience something totally new. And it is the, the whole movie, along with kind of like the cult following, it was all about inclusivity and like kind of ha- having a safe space for people and everyone is welcome. So I think that I think that is very nice, although it is absolutely bonkers cuckoo bananas. Oh, oh, those silly transsexuals spitting in the face of god and creating man-made horrors beyond human conception yeah ripping at the veil between life and death i i don't i don't i don't like the characters i don't really uh, (laughs) i i mean i they're they're sort of deplorable even brad and janet i mean i guess it's fine but like infidelity is a pet peeve of mine I really don't like that. Yeah. And see, I mean, I know it's they both do it. So, okay, I guess fine. It's equal out. Two wrongs don't make a right. But it doesn't, you know, so I'm like, I don't know. They're all kind of like, it didn't take a lot for to break them either. They're kind of yeah. like, oh, okay, just those ones. It's like, I, they're you know, just so, seduced it's like, by I Frank. Don't, I don't yeah. connect to these characters at all, really. There's there's nothing nothing there. Yeah. And I was going to ask you guys all of your favorite character. I And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of liked Riff Raff just because he was... He was consistently kind of just like a creepy little guy. Yeah. Like creepy <laughs> little guy. And he's kind of like. Um, <laughs> Eddie and Rocky, the only two people that I thought uh-huh. were fairly like decent. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose they're, they're the only ones that are kind of innocent. I mean, Eddie was a bad guy, but he was kind of made. He's, he's an affront to God designed by <laughs> yeah. another man. Like he's, he's not going to be right. Like, I guess Rocky did. No other word to say. He cocked yeah, Brad. He did, but I, again, I don't necessarily hold that against Rocky because he's, he's yeah. been alive for seven hours. Yeah, he doesn't understand. You know how the hey, world it's works. Janet's and, 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 it's yeah, Janet's it's, fault. You know, so so Rocky. Yeah, Rocky's fine. He's an innocent born babe. That sweet buff boy. That sweet affront to God. Yeah, mm-hmm. lick his so muscle. <laughs> Probably only eats eggs. Yeah. yeah. All right, Miles. Okay. All right, here Let's we go. Let's hear your yeah. thoughts. Here's my hot takes. Because obviously, I, I, I'm a big fan of it, and I'm the I, only one here who is. I didn't like it at all. Um, yeah, one, Frankenfurter is just a piece of shit, yeah. <laughs> actual deplorable creature of a man. Um, well, of, of alien. A, of an alien. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't understand why anyone would ever like this guy. He's just bad. He's some, a murderer. Some people just like bad boys. He's he sexually assaulted people. Yeah. Um. He's not great. I can't. Again, I don't like musicals. I cannot remember any of the songs. So, it's not like any of the music stuck with me. Um. It's it, like I understand enjoying movies that are just like batshit bonkers, and you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But like so many times in the movie, I was just like, "Wait, what the f- what? What's going on?" And I was just like, "Okay, I mean, I guess I just don't. I'm not tracking." Yeah, I was gonna say one one of my I don't want to say disappointment, but it first of all, I like weird movies. I like kooky weird movies. I like when things go bonkers and they don't really make sense. But I kind of like when there's a method to the madness, and I know with this movie, there isn't necessarily a sense to it. It's just sort of 
it's just being there. crazy. It's not like and it's I, got some secret goal, you know. And maybe it does. Right? And I think I think the thing about that is that Richard O'Brien is like, yeah, I had never written anything before. Yeah. It's just I just added a bunch of shit that I liked to it, and that kind of naivete to like writing is i think part of the reason why it's so successful but like yeah if you're looking at like the structure of it you're like what the fuck is going on it's like that it's the band kid humor of you like merp a potato oh i'm so random random yeah i think that's also owed to the fact that he tried to introduce so many different elements from so many different things and collage them all together just kind of destroys any sort of coherency yeah I will say I don't think he was going for coherence. Which, uh, which again, in, in its own right, just sort of being like, yeah, it's wild. It's not really meant to mean anything. That's also but fun. like, okay, not uh, to say it can't be fun. If you if you want to look at movies that like you know don't mean anything, um, what's that one fucking movie with the talking chimp and the uh, some the director talking to the monkey the entire time? Oh, the David Lynch. One? <laughs> David Lynch. Yeah, the David okay. Lynch movie. Yeah. But that's like that's absolute nonsense. Yeah. But I still kind of enjoyed it. Like I still like yeah. it. Yeah. So I, it's not that I just don't enjoy nonsense. It's just like something yeah. about Rocky Horror. I just don't. Yeah. Well, the, I'm sure the fact that it's a musical did a lot. Yeah, it did, did a number. And again, I will say, as someone who likes it, it definitely took me a few watches to get into it. I actually, I fell asleep the first time I watched it yeah. <laughs> in high school uh, and then watched it again. And I was like, oh, I think I like under kind of understand what's happening now. And then learning more about kind of like the cult following, I was like, oh, this is like fun and unique and very different from anything I've ever seen. And then it kind of like went from there. So for me, even it, it, it definitely took a few watches. Yeah. It, I, if I hadn't seen it past the first time, probably would not be talking about it today. But I really like this. Mariah, what was your favorite song? Because Mariah's a very musically inclined person. I'm, I, I love a good old musical. My favorite song? I mean, I think the... The back-to-back of Time Warp into Sweet Transvestite is yeah. so fun. The energy is so high. It gives you no time to recover from Time Warp before it introduces Frankenfurter, which I think is very fun, and you just go right into it. But I do also really like uh, the the end song. Yeah, I, I do agree with, I think, musically and ener- energetically. I like I like those two. Time Warp into the, into the other one. She met my. What's one of the big notes he holds? I'm trying to remember the lyrics. And he goes like, by the light. I don't remember what he says. I'm trying to remember some of the lines, you know, where he's like, by the light of the day. Law, seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. Um, yeah, but for me, one of the lines that I really ah. like at the end, it's like the very last thing, is when it goes, and crawling on the planet's face, some insects called the human race, lost oh. in time and lost in space and meaning. And I'm always like, they're like it's such a drastic difference from like the beginning when they're like doing the time warp and being all kooky and then you're like fuck i really am an insect on this planet i really like that i will do chores beyond human consciousness feeble specks of nothingness and a void of Ah. nothing hang it man I like, yeah, I like that one. I also, I do, I did kind of like when he's in the pool. I don't know what that song's called. Where he goes, yeah. now, whatever that one is. Um, Rose Tint My um, World. I like that one because it is like a significant like tone change. Yes. And I, I just, in general, I'm sort of, I'm going to inject some sort of pretentious, you know, narrative talk in here. So maybe you can skip over old Stefan if you don't like it. But I like in movies and stories when the tone changes. Um this is a bit pretentious. You're going to be like, oh, Stefan, you're trying to be smart and whatever. But like in poetry, this is called a volta. 
that's when like the tone or the mood or like the change of thought kind of turns. It's a turning point. And I really like that in movies. Some of my favorite movies are movies where, you know, at the end or at some point it like shifts. I think like a very notable one. I mean, even the fan- the Phantom of the Paradise, mm-hmm. you know, it's like kooky. And then the ending, the ending is like very intense and yeah. dark. And you're like, whoa. Death of Stalin. I was going to bring that up. the best I, tone changes which I've seen. Which 100% I will be covering on this podcast at some point. I'm meaning to watch it. But I, oh, I absolutely it's really love good. It's the funny. Movie. And then I, I really like when things go comedy and then into like drama. And then you realize, like, uh, Jojo oh. Jojo Rabbit does a similar thing. Jojo Rabbit or Parasite. Yeah. yeah but like Death of Stalin in particular, like towards the end. It's, it's like, oh, this guy's like really funny. And then all of a sudden you notice like everybody's screaming at each other and nothing is funny anymore. And yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. And, and, and that one, I think, of the examples I've given, utilizes it the best. Because yeah. when, when you do that and you do that really hard shift, it makes you really think about the story. And mm-hmm. you really come back to it. Because, you know, especially comedy to drama. Because that you're just like, oh, it's funny. And then when it shifts in the drama, you start like actually thinking about what's going on. And you're like, ooh. Okay, you know, and, and it forces the audience to, you know, realize the circumstances of yeah. the situation. And and I just like that in general. So that's why I, that song, you know, in terms of the story, I prefer. Yeah, and, and you know, like, Frankenfurter sings, like, I'm going home, and then he gets killed. And every time, every time I'm like, oh, wait, oh, fuck, he, he was a bad guy, he was a bad guy, he was a bad guy. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, the tonal shift I, I really like at the end, and especially, like, the insects called the human race. I like that aspect a lot towards the end. It's very fun for me miles do you remember any of the songs i i do have a favorite song yeah, yeah. what's your favorite song it's the one eddie sings hot patootie mm. bless my soul because it's, it's the only one where i went oh neat <laughs> all the other songs i just like void just mm. static in my brain as i'm listening to it when he started singing i was like oh okay okay and he's and, he's then, an actual, and then back to static he's an actual musician yeah singer, yeah Okay, I think that we should go ahead and rate it now. Okay. I think our ratings are going to be all over the place, I which is very so fun because most of the time I feel like we're we're pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um I know for me, you know, there's a bit of nostalgia. I I fucking dressed up as Columbia one year for Halloween with my ex as Frankenfurter. And we got our friends to be like magenta and like so high is probably what you're going to rate it. I am <laughs> I'm going to rate it I think 8.75. Not as high as I thought. Rubber gloves snapping out of 10. Because it is, I mean, there's it's it's goofy as hell. There are some things, yeah, definitely have not aged well. But I think, okay, I will really quick insert this in. At our school, they used to show Rocky Horror. But then they stopped showing it because of the outdated language. And we're saying that it was actually, like, transphobic for its language. And I will say... Obviously, I am not trans, so I I can't I can't speak for that community. Even if mm-hmm. I was trans, I couldn't speak on behalf of that community. But it was using the language that was available at that time, mm-hmm. and a lot of the LGBTQ plus community felt represented in that movie, flocked to that movie, and still do. Yeah. So I think the the argument that it shouldn't be played or it's not good because it's outdated and uses now some harmful terms, I think, is a bit ridiculous because that is what was available at the time. Anyway, I just wanted to insert that really quickly. Yeah. Okay, Miles. <laughs> I think we should do seven than me. Okay, okay seven. <laughs> um, again, I'm relatively neutral to this movie. Maybe six, six and a half, maybe. You know, it's a movie. It, six and it a half was fun. Oh boy, six and a half sexy legs and stockings. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is all right. I probably would have enjoyed it less if my girlfriend wasn't adamant and very yeah, in love with this film. But uh 
but I am. <laughs> so you know, it, it kind of passes by me like a wind, <laughs> but like a nice breeze. But it's not. It's not like something. It's a fun time, but like... you wouldn't go out of your way to watch it. All right. Yeah. All right, Miles. All right, it's my turn. <laughs> no. Okay. I I give this movie a two. Ooh! I thought uh, that. I, I thought that's what we were gonna say. Uh, actually. A a um two muscular cardinal sins of mankind <laughs> um out of 10 I-, I think i could have gone my whole life without watching this movie and i would be the <laughs> exact same yeah i mean i don't think it really i think it. if if you're questioning whether or not you should watch this movie and you have kind of agreed <laughs> with my interpretations of movies thus far <laughs> oh, i think you can goodness. save yourself an hour and 45 and do kind of anything else man and be just equally if not better off i you know it i watched it and you saw it with I, your eyeballs i saw it with my eyeballs i took in what it was doing and i came out of it and i thought i could be playing minecraft Ooh, yeah all right i applaud your honesty and i applaud you for actually watching it yeah I'm also glad that you are able to just not feel yeah, like pressured yeah. to give it a higher rating. Yeah. Because like that wouldn't be fun if yeah, if you were like, I didn't really like it, but sure, six or whatever. If you were like, you know, a magazine. Because I think, I mean, that's a bad review. Yeah. Because that's the lowest rating a movie has gotten so far so on the podcast. Look, in, a part of it's like, at some point I know we're, we're all going to watch movies we don't like. Yeah. Yeah. If I That's sit, kind of the fun of it, honestly. Yeah. If I sit here, I'm like giving fake reviews. You're not getting the actual review of a movie. Yeah. Um, it's all. It's all. When it comes to movies and stuff, you got to be honest. Yeah. It wouldn't be fun if we all thought the same things about every yeah. movie. So yeah. Anyway, that was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Very kooky. Very fun. Even if Miles says you shouldn't watch it, I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If if you if you are interested at all in seeing uh, what the stage production would look like, again, you can find that 2015 one on YouTube. It's it's very good. Or if you are in a bigger city, they're probably doing midnight showings, especially now that it's October. You can totally oh, find yeah, one if around. You, yeah, if you live in LA, there's absolutely one going on tonight. So uh, definitely, if you are interested in that at all, go check it out. It's a very unique viewing experience. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're into that kind of thing, would highly suggest it. Our different opinions aside, Miles. Yes. What we watching for the next episode? So the next episode, and this is um, a shout out to... Uh, one of our listeners, Brenly, requested that I do Halloween. And just in time for Halloween. And just in time for Halloween. So this is just proof that we do listen to you guys when, when you go, hey, can you do this movie? So Halloween, we're going to be talking about it. Um, it's going to be interesting because I have never seen Halloween. Really? Oh. Yeah. So I'm doing a movie that I have never seen before. That's, that's cool. Um, it- I'm going to learn a lot about it. Please make sure that you follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at the takes it took. And if you uh, want to request another movie for us to do, then you can always DM us or you can send us an email at the takes it took at gmail.com. We mm-hmm. do read our emails. So make sure you send us one if you want us to cover something. Or, you know, if I missed something here, misspoke, if you want to add in anything from today's episode, of course, send us an email as well. Uh, but yeah, let's end, let's end uh, with some Frankenfurter impressions. Stefan. I'm trying to remember. She met my. And he goes, oh, oh, by the line. And something like that. <laughs> it's like you're mixing him with like his Thornberry voice. <laughs> um, okay, my, my line that I'll do is. Good one. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. That's when he's dead. Oh, I love that. Funny. Thank you. Um, I'm actually going to give mine a second so I can build up the... Anticipation. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.